to Campfire Fireside Chats. This show is created for adult audiences only. Our show notes include content warnings and other helpful information. We strongly recommend taking a moment to assess the situation before continuing. Let's begin. Welcome, campers, to this week's Fireside Chat. This week, I got to sit down with someone who is, without a doubt, one of the most fascinating human beings that I've ever encountered. Dazos Crowsong is a parent, a writer, a fiber artist, a wand maker, a jewelry maker, and a full-blown, honest-to-goodness druid. We talk about druidry and how it fits into the modern world. We talk about what it means to him personally and how it has helped him to make sense of his world. A little bit about the history of the order he belongs to. But most importantly, we delve into the incredible story of how he managed to make it from a young gay man growing up in a Southern Baptist household, through drug addiction and recovery, to the powerful and inspiring artist that he is today. It really is a story that everyone should hear, and one that we're just beyond proud to present for you. Go and support Dazos in everything that he does. You both deserve it. But for now, sit back, relax, and enjoy this fireside chat with Dazos Crowsong. All right, Dazos, welcome. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thank you for taking the time to be on the show. I'm, I'm really excited to have you here. Like I mentioned, off mic... I'm fairly certain I haven't had anyone on the show who's who's involved in druidry. And I think that's like a big part of the the niche that we exist within, right? That doesn't get talked about very often. So I'm, I'm really excited to talk to you about that. Okay. Um, yeah. How did you like... Okay. So first off, druidry as a whole is kind of a big tent. Right there, yes. there are a lot um, of concepts underneath it. Right? Yes, uh, there's an adage in in uh, my order that if you ask twelve druids what druidry is, you'll get thirteen answers. Um, <laughs> and and really, it can be a lot of things. For some people, it's a religion. For some people, it's just a, a philosophical approach. And for some people, it's just a, a way of ecological in, engagement and and being more mindful and and how they interact with their environment um i think for me it's it's all of those things um okay it's almost becoming a vocation i think because yeah well my my most recent work has led to a lot of research which has led to me writing or starting to write a book um that uh has really consumed all of my time (laughs) That's yeah, that's exciting. To me, there's nothing more exciting than that moment that you realize. Wait, I think I'm going to write a book. Oh yeah, you know <laughs> that that was a very very uh, invigorating moment for me. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. I, but like you mentioned, I think from from what I understand, sort of the main um, concept that unites all all the ideas of druidry is that tie into nature. Right, that's that's like the central tenet, right? Is that building that relationship with nature? 
I would say so. That um, and and probably uh, even more specifically, a reverence for trees. You know, I I okay. would say um, <laughs> I, I I have found it to be a common thread. We all pretty much like trees, but yeah, um, uh, yeah there's there's definitely a, a a focus on on figuring out where you fit into nature and how you fit into nature and um, kind of getting uh away from the anthropocentric worldview that a lot of um commercialism tends to take on um and uh and really you know there's there's a lot of people who kind of think that you know druids can be a little bit hippy dippy oh i'm gonna save the world or uh save the planet and i think that a lot of actual druidry is going what do you think you're gonna do for the planet yeah. <laughs> yeah. More of a more of a Buddhist approach to yes. it. Like you're a piece and of it, not its savior. Absolutely. Right? And um I I I know several Buddhist druids. So yep. there's definitely a, a Venn diagram uh of druidry and even other spiritualities because I mean mm-hmm. within that big tent you'll find Christians and you'll find atheists and you'll find hard polytheists and soft polytheists and Okay. A lot of different <laughs> yeah. theists and everything. For you, is it more of a... I mean, would you consider it sort of like a holistic view of nature? Like, when you when you consider your relationship with nature and, like, sort of your path to strengthening your ties to nature, do you include people and animals and, you know, like, the Earth as a whole? Yes, um, so... Absolutely, and there's actually, and and uh, a lot of my uh, early work in druidry in the bardic raid, uh, and and the order that I belong to, you start as a bard, and then you work through the ovate grade, and then you progress to the druid grade. And um, during the bardic raid, there's a lot um, that I ran into that kind of challenged my ideas on what nature is and isn't, and. Um, kind of challenged me to to kind of take a, a view of of man not as as separate from nature but as part of nature and um even though you know it may not be as um it, it may not look so on the surface but you know when when we build a, apartment buildings um it's not so different from a, a a colony of ants or a colony of termites creating 40 story tall structures of their own yeah. um you know it it may not feel that way on the surface but urban druidry can be as powerful as druidry practiced in um in a in a in a you know very fairy cottage core forest setting and both are actually happening in nature um it's just the 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 ecosystem looks different yeah um i've often challenged people who generally it's people who are into you know i only eat organic or i'm um, you know, they want everything locally sourced. They want like they're obsessed with the term natural. Right. Right. Like I want everything to be natural. And I've often challenged that by, you know, comparing like you just did cities to like a beehive. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, 
So if human beings are part of nature, then their creations are the result of nature, right? So exactly. you would need to to include all of that. I, I really like that approach. Because I think you're right. When people hear Druid, they think, you know, cottagecore. They think out in the forest and, you know, nature, nature, right? right? But it, it really is all-encompassing. Right. Like, I'm... I'm talking to you from inside of a tenement building, you know, and, and right. I'm in nature, nature. So yeah. it's, uh, there's, you know, there's also, um, a lot of, a lot of what we think of as natural is really a lot of marketing. Um, and that's something that I run into as a fiber artist. Um, you know, there are different fibers that get reputations. Most people, know of wool and they know of cotton maybe they know of like linen flax stuff like that but um you know uh one natural fiber that's becoming popular right now is bamboo and um there's one fiber that is um enjoyable to work with it's pretty it's called tinsel and that has a very synthetic sounding connotation to it it's spelled t-e-n-c-e-l and um it's been around for decades it's been around probably since you know like for as long as like any synthetic fibers have been around and the interesting thing is that tinsel and bamboo are produced with similar processes tinsel is actually made from hickory or oak and if I said oh, I'm spinning oak, that would sound a lot cooler and and more oh, all sure. natural than tinsel. But that was you know back in the 50s or 60s when it was patented. That was a really cool, cutting edge thing to call it. Yeah. And um, but you know bamboo as natural as it sounds to say oh I'm sitting here spinning bamboo. Both of those materials need very caustic chemical processes to render them from a a hard plant, almost lignin material, into something soft and and luxurious and shiny and spinnable. Um, So neither are particularly natural whenever you, when all is considered, you know. Yeah, or they're both sense. entirely natural because everything that was done was made with things that came from planet Earth. You yeah. know, it's all a matter of how you want to look at it. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great point. Um, okay, so let's talk some history. How how did you get started with Druidry? Um, well, I got started with um, sobriety, <laughs> really. Uh, about five years ago, I got sober. And I did that uh, by uh, using the 12 steps. And um, personally, I am of the opinion that uh, the 12 steps is, is a form of alchemy. I think it's, it's a, a definitely a, a, a kind of self-mastery. And uh, the, the spiritual growth development that you start working on there led me to seek out more for myself um and i started um i guess it uh goes back to a divination that i did with the um i I wanted to work with the goddess athena because i was starting to see like owls everywhere in my life and Mm -hmm. uh you can see the athenian owl right there but um so i kind of i reached out to her and uh the response that i got was 
you know, I'm a, I'm a wisdom goddess, and you're you're not particularly wise. Um, but if you if you look to your friends, they'll they'll set you on the right path. And yeah. over the next week, three different people referred to me directly as a druid. So I was like, I should look into that. And then it was just like, it's been a rabbit hole of synchronicities ever since then. And the the druidry and my fiber arts have really developed together. And, and again, through just like one synchronicity after another, I have just stumbled into and along this really fascinating and adventurous path. But... Um, Along the way, it's been, you know, uh, sort of like gamification of, of uh, recovery um, and, um, and a lot of like learning things like stoicism. And it all comes back to the same principles that I learned in the 12-step program, really. But, you know, yeah, you, you just keep finding deeper ways to apply those same principles. Did you... Um... Did you grow up particularly religious? Extremely religious, actually. Um, okay. I, uh, I grew up um, in what I would term a very religiously abusive situation. Um, okay. I was raised Southern Baptist. Um, <laughs> I grew up gay and Southern yeah. Baptist. <laughs> yeah. And... Uh, um, that uh, I didn't really move away from that until my 20s. And then I kind of, uh, because of that and uh, a chronic health diagnosis around a similar time, I kind of just went straight from that into a, a whole bunch of addiction. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. That, yeah, that's kind of the, the classic story, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, but you said before before druidry you were practicing things like divinations right yes. so does your interest in in sort of um esotericism and um in the paranormal for lack of a better term mm-hmm. predates the druidry by a long shot yeah um i would say in my teens i got interested in um in magic and um, I think that I kind of uh, dabbled a while in Wicca um, and really didn't find a, a fit there. Um, but I looked at like chaos magic and um, like cer- uh, ceremonial magic and then uh, kind of uh, had to shut all of that away for a a while because I actually um, I leaned really hard uh, from my late teens through my 20s into the whole uh, pray the gay away um, kind of thing Uh, so um, you know I I really um, for the better part of a decade I I was actually like a a conservative Christian and, and trying to toe that line trying to power through it yeah yeah <laughs> yeah, Spoiler. I, um, <laughs> yeah it didn't work out right no, didn't take yeah 
Oh, it so rarely does. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have I have several friends who who went through very similar things and ended up uh, deconstructionists and mm-hmm. um, sort of working through their the trauma basically mm-hmm. of of you know being told that they were gay because they were weak. Mm-hmm. You know that that whole concept. But um, um, so. Yeah, I, I was told I was I was gay because I had a demon at one. Well, mm. through through several years, uh, that was the the um, overriding theme, and I was um, oh, um, so I was like put through um, exorcisms, but it was like hypnotherapy. Um, okay, and uh, that was an adventure. But um, wow, yeah. How old were you during uh, that time period? That was. Um, like 16 17 when that yeah 16 17 18 i can't uh, imagine being saddled with that on top of just the chaos of being a 16 year old boy yeah you know yeah (laughs) and it's like all of that plus all of your hormones are actually the devil himself you know (laughs) right yeah yeah and um so yeah, I have uh, I have friends who uh, their backstory includes you know I've met someone who's demonic possessed and uh, and and I'm the I'm the demoniac in that story. So <laughs> wow, that's a wild ride. I I just man under the best circumstances being sixteen is terribly difficult yeah right it's i mean it's such a tumultuous time i yeah i can't i can't imagine how difficult that must have been it took uh, a lot of a lot of unfucking to get through it but um i actually i wrote uh, a while back i wrote a blog called the survivor's guide to leaving your birth religion and it's kind of like a six-part blog that kind of helps deconstruct a lot of the trauma and and yeah. Or at least helped, I'll, you know, from my standpoint, things that helped me get through a lot of it. I'll definitely check that out. I'll link it in the show notes, too, cool. for anyone who's interested um, or in need. Because yeah. I, I know religious trauma in general is is shockingly common. Unfortunately, and, yeah. Yeah, especially in, like, in our group of, you know, of creators. Mm-hmm. It's wild the percentage of people who who went through religious trauma growing up honestly i i feel like that sort of tracks you know like of course kids when they're growing up they find a way to rebel right and when when what's being put on you is so heavy that it's that it's traumatic i think those rebellions can be lifelong mm. Right. I can see that, and yeah. maybe they transform into something that's, you know, genuinely positive and, you know, self-affirming over time. I I think that I think that happens for a lot of people. For sure. Yeah. Would you say that your your interest I think cuz you went through that time period where you, you know, were a self-described conservative Christian, right? Mm-hmm. Um do you think like where you are now is a 
is sort of a bounce back from that? Do you think like it, it pushed you as far away from that as you could get? Um, in some ways, yes. In other ways, I've come full circle in, in some ways that have surprised me. Um, because um, I think as much as um, maybe a couple of years ago, I really... Uh, I didn't have, like, a bad view of Christo-Pagans or Christians in pagan spaces, but I really didn't want to interact with them either. Um, sure. And, and I, I was kind of like, you know, I need a safe space <laughs> about yeah. that. Um, but now, um, you know, I've, I've also really learned to um, differentiate that, you know, not all Christians are those Christians and things like that. So it's like um, interfaith work is a lot more comfortable for me at this point in my path. Um, yeah. And uh, and like even like a person, a few of my personal heroes are Christians or or are saints of you know that tradition. Um, yeah. But uh, and I've you know there there have been like. Um, in early sobriety, there was a, a figure, uh, Father Michael Judge, who was a, a Catholic priest, but he was also a, a gay man and a recovering alcoholic and uh, really interesting uh, person. He, he's considered the saint of 9-11, uh, and there's a really good movie about him. And um, it was kind of hard for me for a while to, to feel any kind of connection there because I just I wanted nothing to do with that path and it's been nice to be able to kind of come around and heal enough to appreciate the the yeah. better aspects and and kind of uh separate the the more fundamentalist um toxic traits from it. Yeah. I think that shows remarkable growth, honestly. And <laughs> um, to to go through something like that and to to ever find a space where where you're able to you know to accept people despite their affiliation yeah. with something that you know that you that you know firsthand does harm yeah it can be very helpful I, yeah i'm <clears throat> that's fascinating <laughs> that's you've had such a unique path <laughs> i'm what i mean I, I instantly thought when when you mentioned twelve step is higher power, mm. right? Mm-hmm. When when you when you got to that point, I mean, if you don't mind discussing it, what I mean, what was what filled that space for you at that time in your life? Um, that's a great question because um, the group that I got sober in was a a pretty predominantly Christian group. Um, but it, it's interesting because the meeting that I really liked going to was run by a guy who was an atheist. And, uh, okay. and so he, he was very, um, clear that, you know, his God God was a group of drunks, you know, and, sure. um, that basically, you know, he, he, 
he made the group itself his higher power and so you know he anytime that he came to a fork in the road he just kind of thought what would the group want me to do right now you know yeah and um <laughs> this is funny because um i uh i kind of came up with this like dad figure for for my life because i i really didn't okay. have a good dad figure growing up and i was really you know at that point my main focus was being a better dad to my kids and yeah. um so anytime i came to a fork in the road i uh i kind of imagined um of all people aaron dees's dad and thought what would ricky dees want me to do in this situation and uh and That's so beautiful. for a, a minute i borrowed uh aaron's dad from my higher power <laughs> <laughs> yeah but uh That's... but that voice in my head you know got me through the first year <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah, that's beautiful, man. I I think the concept of of higher a uh, higher power and the idea that it's so it's it's considered something that has to be present for the twelve step programs to work. Yeah, right. A, a lot of people believe that, um, and I think that scares a lot of people away because they think you know automatically they think oh well i have to i have to believe in god for this to work right and and i don't but i think it's important to to say the the concept is that you uh, it's coming to an understanding that you are a part of something bigger than yourself right and that right? you that know whatever fills that that void for you exactly that and and coming to the understanding that you know living life on my own terms and and you know just making whatever decisions popped into my head in the moment has landed me in a 12-step program so maybe i need right. to not you know <laughs> maybe i need to yeah. look to somebody who can do a better job of this and and right. and you know being open to right. the guidance is is you know literally steps one through three <laughs> yeah I mean, whether that be the group that you that you speak with and work with, or whether it be your best friend's dad, right, right, <laughs> or I mean, God is shorthand for a billion different things. Yes, right. It's and, uh, it means so many different things to so many different people. Mm -hmm. And that's one thing I, I do like about you know the wording has uh, you know, and it's it's been I think they're on like the third or fourth version of the big book but you know they've really hammered out the words to to be things like higher power or god as i understood him or you know things like that right. to to you know um although there are you know there are those hard, hard liners that'll insist it's my way or the highway and typically they're not you know telling you that you have to worship thor <laughs> sure <laughs> Yeah, but um, but there are a, a, some great titles um, for like pagan, uh, you know, a pagan's path to recovery, or um, you know, specifically Norse or um, goddess-focused uh, uh, paths through the twelve steps, and some of them will take it out to like thirteen steps for thirteen moon rituals, or um, sure. I think the Norse one is a sixteen-step path, but. Um, 
you know there are definitely i love to see things like that yeah i yeah it's great to yeah. to to have the adaptations out there yeah i'm and i'm you know admittedly a novice when it comes to druidry but would would you consider druidry under the banner of paganism i would yes um and especially yeah. as i practice it um you know uh there's like the the order i belong to um they use a lot of the welsh myths to to teach the core lessons um but um a lot of like uh, obod and and several other orders also work with like the proto-indo-european like any anything that grew out of proto-indo-european culture so um sure. like m i personally am a hellenic pagan so like i worship the greek gods um and uh but that works with druidry there's no real conflict there and um and i would say a lot of the druids that i know are are pagans or are polytheists but even like the the christian druids that i know most of them typically consider themselves christo-pagan more than like you know i think i actually do know one person who would be like oh i'm a catholic i'm a catholic druid so the, he probably yeah. isn't a, a pagan but um but he may yeah. consider himself a pagan i can't speak for him so <laughs> but you you consider the two things intertwined for me right? they are definitely it, do you i mean do you is that like the intertwining of your faith and your practice is that kind of a way to understand it yes i would say that they're they definitely intersect with one another um you know the 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 practice i would say is, is kind of like a, a, a living the faith you know where you right. know, it, an expression of a, it. yeah thank you that's the word i was looking for <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's yeah that's what i mean what has as long as you're comfortable sharing what has the path been like so far well um so far i've been um largely exploring um so going into this I've, I've i've always kind of been an artist i don't maybe i wouldn't have always considered myself an artist but um i've always kind of been uh, making jewelry or making um clothing for myself or you know finding different creative expression um and then my second attempt at going to college i did take several art classes and i was going to go for um fashion photography and fashion design and then um you know I, I really kind of got into art and then getting into druidry i decided i really kind of wanted to learn where all of the art that i was into came from and so um i kind of uh, you know i went from being a crochet artist to being a, a spinner and then to being like I'm, I'm I actually die and prepare the fiber that gets spun now and I just I keep taking it further and further back and and uh, that has led to a lot of research um, that and 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 one of my other goals when I started Druidry is is knowing that um, growing up I had a kind of a, a passion for science for history and everything like that but i also had conflict at home with you know i was i was literally being told you know well that the evolution that's just a theory you know and um right so 
coming out of all of those constraints, I wanted to learn more about, you know, what was happening in the Cambrian area and the pre-Cambrian and, you know, why was there a Cambrian explosion and everything like that. And learning about all of that has really been fascinating and learning about, you know, um, just like all of the the waves of migration of humans over the planet over eons for you know tens of thousands of years even before recorded history we're able to look at fossil records and pottery shards and all of these other evidences of of our civilizations and what was happening before we were even civilized and all of that and it's that's been a huge part of my research um so you know and a lot of that has grown out of lessons that I did during the Bardic Grade of Druidry and just, you know, like, the Bardic Grade focuses entirely on stories and, you know, really the Bardic art, storytelling, songs, yeah. dance, artistic, or, you know, creative expression and um, kind of the flow of what we call the Awen, which is a creative force. Um, and... Uh, I kind of I, I tried to apply all of that to my fiber arts and and um, through that I ended up becoming involved with a fiber artist guild and then I ended up joining a board for a, a group that puts on an annual fiber art event and in, in the winter time and you know so it's like more actively and more mindfully engaging with all of the artwork I was already doing has led me to this like way deeper level of expertise of knowledge which has led me to much greater community involvement which has led to you know all of these different things I mean it's just been one side quest after another and yeah it it all started with just sort of stopping and realizing that you know we all have a skill tree <laughs> we all have you know yeah. and 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 you can change your skill tree at any point you can just start leveling up new skills or you can you can take the skills that you want to develop and you can do that and and you know basically that you know i can find the things that i want to be doing and i can i can engage and 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 getting better at those things and in a whirlwind yeah. <laughs> yeah i i really love that it's it's not just appreciation of of nature and the world for appreciation's sake it's appreciation through understanding yes right really focusing on learning about the world and about nature and you know that that deepens your appreciation Absolutely. for it and your relationship with and it and i think that yeah. you know deepening that appreciation compels you to do something you know and and maybe it's you know getting the river cleaned up maybe it's teaching a a handicraft to as many people as will listen to you spiel about how fun it is to spin yarn and you know i mean yeah i think both of those can be an expression of druidry i think both of those can be you know um because spinning yarn is always going to be a thing it may not always be a thing 
that we're doing the way we're doing it right now, but we're not doing it right now the way they were doing it a thousand years ago, but they were doing it 20,000 right. years ago. They'll be doing yeah. it for as long as we have people wearing clothes. We're going to need spun fiber, whether it's by hand or yeah. machine. Somebody needs to know why twist makes fiber form yarn. And, and I get right. to be a part of that continued tradition that's really neat yeah yeah that that little thread that connects humanity through the through the decades Mm. right through the centuries yeah that's awesome that's i i think because you and i have i mean we've interacted a few times but we we don't really know each other all that well um and but i've followed you for for quite a while and I've I knew you were into druidry and obviously following you on Instagram I know that you're you were into spinning yarn right um and I for some reason I never really made the connection between the two mm-hmm. between the the two things but it's really cool to hear the that it's so intertwined for you it's like the expression of yourself through action, right? Yeah, I, yeah, um, yeah. I really appreciate thank that. Thank you. Neat to get to share that. Okay, so one thing I was curious <laughs> one 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 more thing I was curious about because there is there does seem to be some debate on the connection between modern druidism and the sort of um, druids that we associate with. Like the Iron it's Age, the beards, right? <laughs> yeah, that's that about it. it. Um, that's about I it. I mean, if we're if we're being honest, yeah. Um, I I belong to an order that uh, is probably like between fifty seventy five years old. It could, in a loose way, claim a lineage going back to the seventeen hundreds. Uh, where you're going to find a guy whose name was Edward Williams. He went by Yolo Morganog. And he was a very, very talented forger and uh, and a historian. Okay. And that's where the big problem lies, is that he had <laughs> uh, a passion for Welsh culture and his own Welsh heritage. And he he really didn't know where the line was uh and 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 he he uh he enriched his own national heritage a lot and we don't know how much was his own fabrication and how much like there there is uh, a a a welsh runic system called kelbren and um, and a, and a completely developed writing system that is still very much touted as as legitimate Welsh heritage, and it may have been completely made up by by uh, Morganog. But um, wow, and a lot of a lot of our ideas um, come from him. And you know, one thing I do like about the order is they 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 say you know here's some stuff from Morganog make of it what you will take it with a grain of salt but um but you know there's a lot um his ideas for a long time were kind of coupled with uh sort of like Freemasonry 
and and turned into a fraternal thing. And yeah. um but uh you know what the ancients were up to mostly we only know about from Pliny and Julius Caesar. Sure. And and those you know they were both in their own way they were preserving history but in their own way they were also writing propaganda. Um, yeah, and absolutely. so you know when we read about druids uh, practicing human sacrifice, things like that. Well, that was Caesar that tells us that. Sure. Um, maybe they did, but you know everybody. Carthage was doing human sacrifice according to Caesar. Um, yeah. So you know it, that was something that you just accused anybody. You know, all of your enemies were doing human sacrifice. Sure. The Greeks were doing human sacrifice according to everybody who wasn't Greek. You know, and according right. to the Greeks, everybody else was. Yeah. So, it's the the classics version of um, of weapons of mass destruction, right? right? Exactly. You just, yeah. And um, yeah. and so then you've got um, like Stonehenge and other um, Neolithic and Paleolithic yeah. monuments. Um, those are closer to Cheddar Man than they are any druids that we know anything about. Right. So while the druids may have used Stonehenge, they were they had no idea what Stonehenge was originally used for. Mm-hmm. Um so you know what I the way I kind of look at it is we've all you know every druid has been practicing modern druidry <laughs> in their time. Yeah. And uh you know I'm I'm less concerned with reconstruction than I am, you know, I, I like to let the ideas that we know about them inform my practice without limiting or dictating it. Right. Um, that makes sense. So. Yeah. I'm, and this has been fascinating. I We're going to have to do this again, for sure. I'd, I'd love Absolutely. to have you back. Unfortunately, we are getting tight on time, though. So, um, before we go... Let the people know where to find you, where to follow you, and anything cool you have coming up that you'd like them to know about. All right. Awesome. Um, so I am Dasos underscore Crowsong on Instagram or uh, at Druid Tropical on what remains of Twitter. I'm probably going to be getting a thread soon. And um, uh, Swampcraft on YouTube and Tumblr. And I'm going to be working on that i i recorded a pilot episode for Swampcraft, which is going to be like my my witchy martha stewart project that's awesome um and uh so that's been up for a while i am working on a, another episode i just i'm so much of a perfectionist that i've deleted it three times now so, <laughs> i know that feeling so i'm getting there but uh by the end of August, there should be an, an episode on, of Swampcraft about spinning. Yeah, that, that sounds awesome. Um, if you want to follow Dasos and everything he does, I will have links for everything that he mentioned in the show notes. So go follow him on everything. And this has been so... It's been awesome. I've This has just been great. Thank you so much. Thank you. This has been a great conversation. I appreciate you making space for it. Absolutely. I, I appreciate your willingness to to discuss i mean some pretty sensitive stuff right yeah yeah i really appreciate that thank you thank you thank you thank you 
from the bottom of our weird, possibly alien, maybe ghostly, probably cryptid hearts for listening. We absolutely love having the chance to discuss all these wild creatures and events every week, and it's your continued attention that allows us to carry on. We want to get to know each and every one of you, so please come and check us out on all the socials. At campfire.tales.podcast on Instagram and Facebook, at campfire.totsau on Twitter, and you can also visit our website at campfirepodcastnetwork.com. If you love the show, please rate and review it. It's what truly helps us continue bringing your weekly dose of the strange and unsettling. And a special thanks to Greg Martin at Reverent Music on Instagram for his contributions to the beautiful music that you hear every week under the debrief. You can find more of his tunes at ReverbNation.com slash Reverent. It's fantastic, fantastic stuff. Go give that a listen. And that's it. Until next time. I'm Ryan. I'm Jordan. And remember, campers, stay weird and trust in the unknown. unknown.